Hello, you're listening to A Voice from Australia, written and spoken by Mark Buckley. The title of it is Australia's Lost Decade on Everything, Including Climate Change. Scott Morrison's had a tough few years. First, there was the great bushfire debacle. He went on holiday in Hawaii. Nothing wrong with that, you might say except that he tried to hide the fact that he was actually out of the country. When he was sprung, he made all sorts of excuses, but in his own special way, he made a statement that we'll always remember. Mate, I don't hold a hose. That was exceptional in many ways. It abricated his leadership. It showed his narrow superficial mind and his complete lack of self-awareness. During a catastrophic bushfire, everybody holds a, a hose. The country then discovered that just before the election, and possibly even after the election was called, he'd been using our money to try and buy coalition seats and also lots of marginal seats they wanted to win. Scott Morrison was caught in the headlights of the sports rorts affair and in an act of callous self-preservation, he threw his sports minister, Bridget McKenzie, under the proverbial bus. Considering his narrow win in the 2018 election, how many seats were retained or won because of the calculated misuse of taxpayer funds? As the investigation ramped up, he was saved, of all things, by the global pandemic. As it, uh, as it began, he talked a lot about following scientific advice, but his resistance to locking down, his reluctance to provide any sort of financial support proved very unpopular. Like a dog after a bone, he sniffed the electoral win, calculated he was on a losing trajectory and promptly changed direction. He then pinched Boris Johnson's JobKeeper idea at Labor's suggestion. None of us knew then that the Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, would do such a lousy job on the program's design. Ripped off by thousands of companies, many of which paid bonuses to their already overpaid executives. Some even used those taxpayer funds to pay dividends to shareholders. That is some form of middle-class welfare. Frydenberg now says it would be unfair to ask for the money back. There's only one response to explain this government's moral bankruptcy, robo-debt. Robo-debt, where the might of the federal government was turned against often helpless, certainly powerless, individual welfare recipients. Ten-year-old debts, calculated using a dodgy averaging algorithm, and subsequently found to have been unlawful. The government denied any wrongdoing, as all evangelical far-right governments always do. But in, ju in June 2021, Justice Bernard Murphy approved a settlement worth at least $1.8 billion, payable to those who had been harassed and vilified by their government, calling it a shameful chapter and a massive failure in public administration of Australia's social security scheme. The ministers who have had their hands on the program include Christian Porter, Scott Morrison, 
Alan Tudge, Stuart Robert, and Maurice Payne. There are very few geniuses in that little group. And so far, not a word of apology from any of them. Of course, after the horrors of the pandemic, there was great optimism about the arrival of the vaccines. Produced in record time, they did not appear in Australia for several months. Outbreaks in Sydney and then Melbourne took hold. Hundreds of deaths followed. And Scott Morrison then made another of his outstanding pronouncements. It is not a race. He repeated it ad nauseum many times over. But it was a race. And Morrison and his hapless health minister, Greg Hunt, tried hard to cover up their sheer incompetence. But even Blind Freddy knows you don't just buy one vaccine when there's a worldwide shortage. And you don't announce at a late night press conference that the only vaccine you have on hand is suspect. Morrison actually destroyed the AstraZeneca vaccine's credibility because he panicked. Lately, he has been trumpeting how well he handled the vaccine rollout. Really? Morrison's now on his way to attend the Glasgow Climate Summit on our behalf, representing us on a world stage. He will smugly claim that he has an agreement in his back pocket of net zero by 2050. The only problem is that up to a quarter of the nationals do not agree he cannot legislate the target because he will lose the vote in Parliament. So he's going with nothing in his pocket except an unenforceable promise, redeemable in 29 years, by which time the entire Parliament will probably be retired or dead. He and the Coalition have been sabotaging our response to climate change since 2009. Morrison expects us to believe that he's done a complete U-turn in a month and to now put our faith in him. Sorry, not a believer, Scott. Up to a quarter of the junior coalition partners, the National Party does not agree and have had to be bribed to stay silent. He's not led anyone anywhere. He was dictated to by the likes of Barnaby Joyce, Matt Canavan, the former sports minister, Bridget McKenzie, that's she who went under the bus, and George Christensen. We must also remember the sterling efforts of the member, or sorry, the minister for meaningless climate statements, Angus Taylor. Angus delivered his sales pitch with passionate fervour, but as we all know, carbon capture and storage does not work, and most of us think bribing the nationals is actually worse than a carbon tax because it's using our tax money to support the coal and gas industries. We want to reduce our emissions, not increase them, Angus. Angus is going to Glasgow also, but he's going to spruik for the fossil fuel industry. They might as well take Tony Abbott along with them. So the sum total of the government's achievements on climate change is essentially in the eye of the Prime Minister. Government by press announcements, which are believed in by no one, and which are as, flim as flimsy as feathers. You have to admire Morrison's sublime disconnect from reality 
and his faith in his own ability to gaslight world leaders like he tries to gaslight us. Welcome back, Scotty from Marketing, and you, Angus. Top job on all your efforts, but how embarrassing people around the world might think they represent how we think and feel about the planet's health. Thanks for listening.